Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. KFI AM 640. You have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show. I'm taking your calls, but I got to say, social media is blowing up. I know these are tender topics. So you're sending me in your questions and DMs. Okay. Okay. I get it. Here we go. All right. Uh, Dear Dr. Wendy, I've been dating this guy for almost three years now. I recently found out that he cheated on me the very first month of our relationship. I asked him why he didn't want to tell me, and he said it's because he's scared to lose me. The reason that happened was because he was having mixed feelings at the very beginning. I told him that for now, we can only be friends, and we'll need to see where the rest will take us. Oh, wow. Do you have any advice for me? Do you think he's really telling the truth? Uh, I can only go with my gut and what little information. And let me say, in the first month of dating somebody, it's not really cheating. I mean, often people, when they start a new relationship or finishing off another, there's often a little overlap. And of course, he loves you the most. He's been with you for three years. So you found out by some other way, probably some jealous girl who's been blab, blab, blabbing because she had him one time. And um, I, you know, I'm actually going to say I'm voting for the guy on this one. Trust him. He says he had mixed feelings at the very beginning. And he, now he's saying he never told you because he didn't want to lose you. It was the first month that you were seeing each other. I think you're OK. OK, I think you're OK. All right. Dear Dr. Wendy. I've recently been a victim of a romance scam. Oh, no. They took the time to get to know me and played on my anxiety and loneliness. They offered friendship, love, marriage, a future, you name it. I was so blinded by all of that, all that he would offer me, and I fell straight into the trap of sending money to him because of his, quote, difficult situation. Now I don't know how to recover from this. I was fully invested in the romance attention, the deep conversations, and it's hard for me to imagine him as a criminal. Um, Any help you can give me, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So just so everyone understands, if you are a single woman, especially a retired older single woman, especially a widow who hasn't dated in a lot of years, you are particularly vulnerable to a romance scam for a number of reasons. One is you haven't had a lot of experience dating. Secondly, you probably probably haven't had a lot of experience with dating apps and online relationships. And finally, your brain may have not had a lot of experience with new love. You see young people that get new relationships every other year. They're used to that rush of neurohormones that blind them. Love, according to the research, can blind you. But here's what happens now. You have a double dose of shame. For some reason, people involved in romance scams feel absolutely ashamed. They find it hard to tell people about them because what do you think their friend's going to say? Well, why were you so dumb? Why didn't you check it out better? Why didn't you, right? And so you have this this shame from the outside. Shame at yourself. Look, I've been in so many relationships where I've done the stupidest things. 
and been so hurt. And my own negative criticism was worse than anybody, what anybody else could say to me. And then finally, you've got the financial problems with this. Um, This is a time to get a therapist and work through these feelings because they're very complicated and very painful because, oh, the other feeling is the loss of a lover, right? You're having trouble thinking of him as a criminal because he showed so much love. Now, for everybody listening, everybody else, you should know that there are international syndicates of companies that have walls of computers and people sit at them and it is their job all day long to romance scam 20, 30, 40, 50 women. They particularly target American women over the age of 60 who are sitting at their computer and lonely and dreaming and hopeful and are vulnerable and honest and authentic and good people, good people filled with empathy and compassion. And they know strategically what to do, how long to take, months, the dreaming, the giving to you exactly what you want to hear. And then they have some stress in their life and all of a sudden they need money so that they can come over, so that they can get married, so they can get their mother out of the hospital, whatever it may be. You are not alone if you have been romance scammed. And I think it is very important that people come forward if they can tolerate the shame and understand it's not your fault. Love causes you to be blind. Listen, just go on Netflix and watch that movie, The Tinder Swindler. You'll see all kinds of young women who are terribly swindled by this. I'm so, so sorry it happened to you. That breaks my heart. All right. Next question. Uh, Dear Dr. Wendy, how can you date someone you're friends with without risking the friendship? You can't. I mean, finding love, isn't that worth the risk? If you are friends with somebody and you feel more then maybe you should tell them. Now, you could try to tell them in a very, very subtle way by just, you know, starting to do things like uh, take them out on dates and pay for things or flatter them with compliments about their physical self. You can tell right away if they start to go, ooh, that's creepy from a dude friend, right? And then you you read the room and you go back to just being a friend. I think that's what you should do or you should just profess yourself. But yeah. You risk losing the friendship, but isn't finding love more important? Uh, Okay, how are we doing for time, David? I got so many more. Okay, good. Um, Dear Dr. Walsh, I am currently in a relationship with a significant age gap. My partner is 30 years older. We are both incredibly happy and... Though still in the early days of the relationship, red flags going for me, bing, 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 early days of the relationship, having the tricky but necessary conversations about potential family planning, marriage, etc. We have a great support system consisting of friends, his parents, and other age gap couples. But my family is very much against the relationship. Ding, 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 ding. There goes those red flags again. Uh, Do you have any existing resources or advice You can offer regarding such challenges. So let me say this about age gap relationships. You didn't mention gender in there. Let's see. But my family is very much against the relationship. So I don't know if it's, oh, you said his parents. So I don't know if you're a same sex relationship, two men, 
or whether you're female, um, because of course men could also be talking about family planning. So uh, marriage, of course. Um, I'm going to go with, a, you know, heteronormative for now. Um, not that it makes a difference, actually. To be honest, let me say this. If there is an age gap in a relationship, the older person, even if they do not have more money, have more power. Because what they have is life experience. They have wisdom. And so the older person must understand that they are forever a leader. Hopefully, a benevolent leader. Hopefully, who uses their power by having empathy and concern for the other. But it is oh so easy to abuse one's power in a relationship. Look at all the marriages out there where one person holds all of the financial assets. Look how that lays out. Now, some of them, fine. I know marriages where it's traditional in the sense that the man makes the money and the woman uh, manages it and budgets for it, and they've worked that out. It works for them. Other people, you know, the one with the money gets to say, here's where we vacation, or here's where the kids go to school, or I'm not paying for private school, or whatever, right? But when you have life experience, and what if you have both, money and life experience, it's really easy to go down that slippery slope and start to abuse the power. Well, I do think it is important, as you said, to have these tricky but necessary conversations. Because I also know people that had a relationship like this, where the woman was much younger. She was in her early 30s, and he was in his mid-40s. And it was sort of, we'll wait and see, we'll see what happens, we'll see what happens. And then I remember this one particular case, attending her 40th birthday party, and she was in the corner moaning to me about how sad she was that she didn't have kids and her partner never wanted to have kids and etc. And she let her fertility window slip away. So how you feel today with a whole bunch of years in your fertility window may be very different than how you feel when there's a, a f one or two years left in your fertility window. And just a reminder, folks, the height of female fertility is the age of 20. It hovers around that through the 20s. It takes a dive at the age of 30, and it falls off a cliff at the age of 35. All those celebrities that you hear of having babies in their 40s and 50s, many of them are using expensive technology or surrogates, um, in vitro fertilization. It is possible, but it is expensive. So these are important. But most important thing about this email, sorry, I'm focusing on this so long because there's so many red flags is your parents or your family are very much against this relationship. You know, when you're in the throes of, you called it the early days of a relationship, you are love blind. That, that cocktail of neurohormones is not helping you see straight. And that's why I always advise people to please depend on those around them who still have their rational minds intact. I used to host a show for a few years on Investigation Discovery, you know, that channel about love and murder, and it was called Happily Never After, and it was about brides and grooms who murdered each other. We had to look really hard for the brides who did the murdering. It was usually the grooms who did the murdering. And please, folks, don't sign a big life insurance policy right before your wedding. That's creepy and weird, but it happened 100% of the time in those cases. <laughs> the other thing is, in almost all the cases, the bride and groom eloped because they didn't have the support of their family. 
So listen to those people around you. A relationship is a bridge between tribes. And if the tribe is not supportive of it, there's a reason. Okay, that's all the time I have to answer your questions this week, but not to worry. We have an hour left together. Let's do some stuff. How about if you're one of those people who complains that you never get a response on dating apps? I'm going to tell you how my boyfriend got a response from me. And also what you can do to get a response that turns into a date even if you want it. Also, are you having relationship problems with your adult kids? Whew. Let me weigh in on that. You are listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. We are live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. KFI AM 640. You have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show. Oh, for the love of dating apps. You know what my boyfriend told me today, Kayla? He told me that something like this week or yesterday was the first time that Tinder had one billion swipes in one day. Really? Yeah. It's a pretty big company. They lasted a long time before getting to a billion, huh? Yeah, I know. Thought that in one day. Sooner, right? That's in one amazing. Day. That's people a lot. Are people are... In love. Well, you know, you can't meet people at the office anymore. It could be taken the wrong way. Hashtag so, me too. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I do hear from men, mostly, a lot that... Um, they're not getting responses on these dating apps. And there's something, I've talked about this before, but I want to remind everybody, both men and women and anybody using dating apps. Um, there is dating apathy out there, which means that you get a sort of level of satisfaction just by having a match. And then you're like, eh, do I need to go further? Do I need to really talk to them? Do I need to really get on the phone? Because look, I just had 10 more matches. That's a good feeling. Okay, I'm going to bed, right? And I know this feeling because it used to happen to me. So a weird, interesting way that I met my boyfriend on Bumble two years ago is I, I, would, I didn't ever set up notifications. Notifications are little pings that come when somebody matches with you. I never did that on those apps. Just whenever I felt like it, I'd go on and I'd look. And, you know, maybe after I cleaned up dinner, we were during quarantine and the kids would go watching their Umbrella Academy somewhere else or their Stranger Things. And I was in my room looking for a documentary and reading the New York Times. And, and I'd be like, okay, I'll go look. And then I'd do a few matches and I'd be like, okay, that's enough. I'm tired. Now I think I'm going to bed. And then that would be it, right? So of course, I was one of those people with dating apathy who would not message back. And on Bumble, the woman has to give the first message. The guy can't ping you first. So after 24 hours, the matches expire. And then you go back to it. You look for more. What a big deal, right? So one day I opened up the app. It was like, if I'd go weeks without using that app. And I saw these little gray faces at the top. And I'm like, what are those grayed out faces there? They weren't gray because they were old. Although he does kind of have gray hair. But anyway, it, 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 there were these grayed out faces. And I'm like... What is that? And I just clicked on the first one there. And I realized, oh, this must be where they put the old matches. That's the graveyard for the ones that you matched with, but they expired. So I said to myself, well, if I matched once, maybe I'll, I'd like them again. Let me read through that profile again. So I read through his profile and he had the sentence that grabbed my interest. Not my heart. I didn't know him yet. My interest. And the sentence was, I have been on a dramatic path towards mindfulness and authenticity. Well, I, you know, curious minds, we want to know. And so this inquiring mind simply wrote one message and it was, hi, 
Because I actually believe that if you're holding the eggs, that's all you need to say. Hi. And if he wants to sell himself at that point, spread his peacock feathers, then he should. So he came back with, Wendy, four exclamation marks. Where did you go? You disappeared. I rematched with you three times, and now you've been gone, and now you showed up again. I didn't realize I don't stay as his grayed-out version. He only stays in mine because it's a female-driven app, right? So there you go. The rest is history. Uh, so I want to talk, though, having had some experience on these apps, about how you're going to actually find your match and how to use these apps properly since everybody's on them and somebody's part of those billion swipes on Tinder. Right. First of all, in your profile, let me just talk a little bit about your profile. Don't write too much. Don't write too little. Whether you're on Match, Bumble, OkCupid, whatever, Christian Mingle, whatever. I, I met a, pro, a couple recently who met on Fitness Singles. I'm like, that's a thing? Yeah, they were in their 50s, too. They just want to fit healthy people. All right. Uh, anyway, there's a, there's a boutique dating app for everybody. But don't write too much. We don't want your life history. We're not really going to read it all anyway. We're just going to scan it and look at your pictures. But also don't write too little or nothing at all. When I was on the apps, what guys would just put pictures and nothing, just goodbye. You're gone. Swipe away. Because I know not, if you can't even compose a sentence for us to attract you, go away. All right. So write something, but not more than a paragraph. Um, please, gentlemen especially, no pictures with hats and sunglasses. And definitely not five in a row. Well, I've seen you. I've seen you with different sunglasses, different baseball hats. We know about your hair loss ish issue just by all the hats. Just wear it and be proud. There's somebody to love you, okay? But don't put a bunch of pictures hiding your eyes. Eyes are the window to the soul. We need to see your eyes. Now, do include headshots and full body shots. When I say full body shots, make sure there's clothing on that body. The point here is, are you looking for a short-term relationship or a long-term relationship? If you're looking for a short-term relationship, you do not need my advice. You know what to do. Ladies, make it a G-string. Gentlemen, show those abs in your bathroom mirror. Fine, go for it. I don't care. But if you're looking for a long-term relationship using short-term strategies, you're going to keep meeting people who just use you for your body. All right? Now, here's another important. When I say full body shot with your clothes on, make it a little form-fitting, but it doesn't... I mean, it could be like a lovely... I call them sausage dresses. You know you know what a sausage is. Like a stuffed sausage, Kayla. You lost me with sausage, but I, I yeah, mean, you said dress. You caught... Okay, oh, I got you. I'm following. I'm following. I got you. you I got you. Thinking, oh, Sorry. No, no, yeah. no, Sorry. no. Sorry, I got you. I got you. A stuffed sausage. Right. Yeah, you might wear something like... I'm talking about female bodies here. That's out. There's no man involved. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of with sausages, by the way, I, I, I have some horses at my farm, and my daughter... I, she's, Where Kayla's are we looking, going with this? Where are we Kayla's going with looking this? afraid. She's so looking nervous. afraid. We're about to get an email. What's I know going we're going to get a bad email. Yeah, but my are. daughter was petting the nose of the horses like you do, yeah. right? And whenever she would, something emerged. And we were like, what? The from size of like a... An arm. Yeah. Yeah. And but from petting a horse's nose? It must have felt good. I don't know. It must have. He must have been happy. Anyway, <laughs> then he kept oh hanging God. out at the okay. fence wanting okay. more. <laughs> all right. All right, Dr. Wendy. Let's wrap it up. All right. <laughs> when we come back, I want to talk about where you should take those pictures, those full body shots with clothes on. I want to talk about what you should write in your first text. And I want to tell 
how you should stream them down, like meaning unmatch them if they're not responding. We got lots of X, especially some new research out of the Kinsey Institute about how many words you should put in those texts. I'm telling you, this is science, folks. You're listening to the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. KFI AM 640. You have Dr. Wendy Walsh with you. This is the Dr. Wendy Walsh Show. That was Donna Summer. You know, you don't remember, Kayla. But when that song came out, you didn't hear that little moan in the background. Did you notice it? Yeah. Well, only because I saw it on TV. The big news in the media was like how many, quote unquote, orgasms she had during that song. That was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But that was a big deal to even talk about that kind of stuff back then. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, All right. Let's get back to you, your dating apps. Uh, getting people to respond, what to put in your profile, etc. cetera. Uh, I mentioned where you take the picture is important. There's something called a background check. And I'm not talking about a police investigation. I'm talking about what's in the background on your photographs. You see, here's the thing. Guys, especially, we know that you're standing in your bathroom mirror, you're taking that picture of you, and the first thing we think is, Does he not have any friends to take a picture of him? The second thing we think is, is the toilet seat really up on that toilet? And is it in the background of the shot? You see, there's actually been scientific research to show that women have a much lower threshold for the feeling of disgust. Men can get through a lot of dirty work and be cool with it. But women, we get disgusted easily. So putting our arousal by looking at your picture juxtaposed with a dirty toilet is not good. Okay, don't. Just don't. All right. Secondly, there are better places. Oh, and also when you're putting yourself in your living room or whatever, do that background check. Because you might think that we're looking at you, but we are looking at the lamp behind you and trying to determine if it's from Ikea or restoration hardware. Okay. So we're looking, we're trying to figure out about your life, your design sense. I remember meeting a woman once who told me that she met this guy. She thought he was great. She was seeing him like, I don't know, four weeks or something, thought it was fabulous. And then he said, let me cook you dinner at my house. And he had a beautiful house. It was on the water and it was fairly big. She was, she was a pretty affluent woman herself. So all was good. And she said, but I don't know if I can ever see him again. And I said, why? And she said, the carpet was just so dirty. It was so stained. I don't think I can go back into that house. You see? We're thinking about a future with you and what our lives would look like. So think about this in your pictures and the background. Now, here's a way that you can increase your status with the background. Oh, oh my. Whose dog was that? I would put a picture with the dog in there. Oh, that was a good one. You do attract... People, dog people find dog people. Ladies, get your cats out of there. Just don't. That's uh, it's. No, no, it, it devalues a woman, I think, because then he thinks cat lady. That's what he thinks. I get that. That makes sense. I mean, that's that's which definitely guy, association. There's going to be a small minority of guys who go, oh, her little kitty could go with my little kitty. No, they don't. They're like cats. Ooh. But if you have a dog, great. If you have 20 dogs, no, 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 no. Just one is good. All right. That's fine. Um, But here's another thing that you can do to raise your social class. Let's say you right now you're hardworking and you're going to move up in life and you've got ambition. All good. That's what women want. But your current apartment isn't. Well, 
what it's going to be. So go stand near any classical architecture, the steps of a museum, a uh, you know federal building, um, a, a classic hotel, anything with a column and on some steps, right? My boyfriend had one like that. He was literally standing kind of sideways with a big smile, leaning against a column. And I said to him later, by the way, where was that picture? It wasn't your house, was it? He said, no, it was Cornell University. Oh, yeah, universities. That's a good place to find historic buildings. It looks like you're adventurous and classy. Very classy, Mm -hmm. right? It's a good thing. Um, Back to attire for a minute, gentlemen. Don't take your shirt off if you're over 40 because you forget this. She's swiping an age range and she might be swiping 25 to 60 because, you know, she's just that kind of free thinking woman. And so she swipes and she sees a 28 year old who's got an eight pack that's to die for. And then she swipes and she sees a fit 42 year old. No matter how fit you are, you look less than the 28 year old she just saw. So you're right beside them in the same deck of cards that she's shuffling. So keep your shirts on, guys. Uh, women, if you're looking for a long-term love, no bathing suit shots, please. Because your coworkers are going to see you, ladies. Your boss might see you. It's like walking into a nightclub in a bikini. Would you do that? Probably not. Right. All right. Men, what should that first text say so you get a response? It should say two things. It should say something positive and interesting about one of their photos, not what they look like. If you're looking for a long-term relationship, look, if you're looking for a short-term relationship, guys, you know what to say. Some guy sent me a message once. His very first message was, wow, I'd like to get between you and those white jeans. Exactly. Wow. And I said, I'm sorry. That is rude. And I just got rid of him. And then he goes, oh, no, I didn't mean to. Like he let his little unconscious thoughts go dribble right there into the text. How can you save that? You said it clear as day. There's no cleaning that up. No. Done. Do not respond on her body. Don't respond. Don't objectify her. The first text should be like one of my pictures that was very funny when the kids were little was me on the froggy hopper at the Santa Monica Pier. Hair flying up and down on that little ride. And the guy said, I'm laughing. And the guy said, oh, the dreaded froggy hopper. I spent many months on that thing. Uh, Glad I'm not alone or something. He made some kind of cute little comment about it. Love that. And then the next sentence should be a question that demands an answer. Like, uh, was that hike you were on over by Terranea? Something that's innocuous. So a, a positive compliment about something that's not their body. And then a question about something else in one of the photographs. Now. If they do not respond, wait a few days and send one more, no matter what gender you are, men, women, everybody, send one more text that should just say, you must be distracted, pinging you a last time in case you missed my first text. You know what that says? I'm moving on, dude, but I'm being polite and friendly about it. I'm also giving you a one chance you were distracted. Not you're busy, not whatever. You must have too many people in your box there, whatever. Just, you must be distracted, pinging you one last time in case you missed my first text. And one last time basically says, I'm moving on after this. And if they don't text you back, then you have to move on. The process of finding a great relationship is eliminating many. All right. 
When we oh, and one last thing, I just have to add it. I know we have more space for time. Don't ever make a date without talking on the phone with somebody. Give your phone number within a few texts. Don't start dating on the app. Just a few texts, give out your phone number, get on the phone, have a conversation. Never meet someone in person that you've not interviewed on the phone. When we come back, are you having relationship problems with your young adult children? I've got advice for you. You're listening to The Dr. Wendy Walsh Show on KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. KFI AM 640. We are in the home stretch of The Dr. Wendy Walsh Show, but I would be remiss if I didn't talk about other kinds of relationships. Although, David, you had a question about dating apps and DMs, didn't you? Yeah, Dr. Wendy. So um, about four or five years ago when I met my fiance, we talked about a month straight on Instagram through the DMs mm-hmm. uh, before we actually met each other. We talked on the phone, we swapped numbers and stuff and did all that. And then before we finally met, it was about a month. Mm-hmm. How long is too long to wait? And clearly three, three, it's been four years and we're engaged. So it's, uh, kinda, it's it worked out. Yeah, it worked out. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Did you try to get together and get declined or you no, just didn't ask? No, we just both didn't ask. I think she finally was like, had enough. It was like, yo, so when are we going to meet? Yeah, good. Somebody did. Uh, so I think you should eliminate fairly quickly and spending too much time texting um, starts to grow your fantasies about who you wish this person was. Uh, So getting on the phone pretty quickly is important and meeting is pretty important. However, if you ask someone to get on the phone and they decline, I would get rid of them pretty fast because, you know, what are you going to be? Just their little text buddy, their social support. Um, And if you try to get together and they say, I'm not ready yet, then you have exactly two strikes. This is not baseball. You don't get three, you get two. You try one other time a week or two later, and if it's a no, get rid of them. Because so many people I've talked to who get into these texting relationships for like a year or more, and the person keeps canceling of when they're going to get together. I'm like, it is a time waste. I'm actually having a t-shirt made that I'm going to sell on my social media that says, honesty, it saves everybody a lot of time. I love that, Dr. Wendy. Yeah, just save the time. Just be honest. Thank you for that question, David. All right, moving on. Let's talk about grown-ass people. Oh, can I say that on the radio? And they're grown-A kids, young adult kids. He beeped it. I know he beeped it. He's got time. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Let me tell you this. In my family of origin, we were done when we were 18. And the way my parents got us out of the house is my mother was very, very firm If you live in my house, she said, and you are not a full-time student, you must pay me rent, you must pay me for laundry, you must pay me for food. I'm telling you, I did it one time, and then I got an apartment with a bunch of roommates. I'm like, why pay for something I've had for free my whole life? I was indignant. So I moved to Paris when I was 18 to model, actually. You know that story. It's not a good one. My parents could have been more protective, but okay. But I was happy with my independence. My parents were happy with my independence. Now, my older daughter, who was far more prepared for the world when I was, went off to college at the age of 18. She came home for two summers during college. She always had three jobs, has been financially independent from me since she's 18, and now is 24 and still has two jobs and more money than God because she's just very frugal. Having grown up with a single mom, she counts her pennies. Now, I have another friend whose kids never worked in college. They literally sat around looking at their iPhones all summer. I, it just That's bizarre to me. My 19-year-old, 
who's in community college and now just driving for the first time, is about to move to Northern California. And I couldn't be more proud. Yet I met a woman recently who had bought a beautiful house out of state to retire in, but was afraid to leave L.A. because her 23-year-old son still needed her. 23! What is going on? I know a dad who talks to his three kids, adult kids, aged 22 to 28, every single day about every little thing. And they get in arguments about how to live their lives. So I went to the research. A 2017 study by researcher Karen Fingerman found that the amount of communication and involvement between parents and young adult children has increased during the last century. Young adults, we know, are taking way longer to reach adulthood. They actually have turned it into a verb. They call it adulting. And apparently that happens now in their like late 20s. And that includes completing education, maybe getting married, moving out of the family home, embarking on a career path, etc. But during this time, whether the kids are in the home or out, there's also these blurry boundaries where grown-up parents and grown-up children have problems and strife. So... Um, author Peg Streep writes in Psychology a Day, uh, Psychology Today. What is it? Six hour, three hour show, and I can't talk anymore. It's been you've been killing it the whole time. I though. needed another coffee. It's the last That's stretch. I, I get it. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, so Peg Streep writes that there are six causes of strife, and maybe this sounds like you. The first is the assumption of a quid pro quo. In other words, some parents believe. That because they're involved with their adult children's life, they are owed something, some kind of payback, like their strings attached to the parent's time, their money, their advice, and that that payback should come. In other words, the kids owe me because I did this or I gave that. The answer is they owe you nothing, and you actually owe them nothing. If you do your job well as a parent, you work yourself out of a job, and have creating independent people is your job. So if you choose to give them a gift of your money or your time or your support or your advice, there should be no strings attached to that. You're just doing it like you would do for a buddy. No strings attached. All right. Another thing adults and adult children fight about is they're unhappy with their romantic partner choices. So look, if your adult kid is in a relationship that's abusive or there's addiction or something, Yes, you have a right to say something. Yes, you have a right to step in. However, usually you just don't like their partner because that's not the partner you would choose for you. It's not about what's right for them. It's just you have this idea like this is the best way to live a life. They should do it my way. You know what? It's none of your business. When my daughter came home at Christmas, she was here for quite a few weeks because she worked from home for a few weeks and she would disappear some nights. And I would say, oh, what'd you do last night? She'd say, I went to see a friend. And I knew it was code. When she said, I went to see a friend without saying, I went over to Lily's house or whatever, then I knew she went to hook up somewhere. And you know what? She has every right to do that. She's 24 years old and she doesn't have to divulge all these secrets to me. And I don't care who it was, whatever. I taught her how to have safe sex and enjoy her life and her body. She's good. Um, also, parents fight about just other life choices, right? Your children have a right to make mistakes. They're going to learn so much more from their mistakes than they are from you nagging them now that they're in their 20s and learning. 
Oh, here's a big one I bet you guys fight about. Your kid now has kids, and you don't like the way they're parenting. Well, I'm going to say this. If you haven't been asked for your opinion, take the high road. Offer none. And here's what author Peg Streep says is my favorite line. Sometimes wisdom involves reaching for duct tape to be placed over your mouth. (laughs) And here's a big one. Comparing your child to a sibling. Look how well your sister's doing. Why don't you finish college? Why don't you have a job? It's bad to do to a 10-year-old. It's bad to do it to a 25-year-old. When I was growing up, my mother used to compare us to her sister Donna's kids. Oh, Donna's kids are doing this. And we always felt bad compared to them. Forget it. Don't do it. And finally, you don't get to label your adult child as being disrespectful. You can't say just because they're arguing with you that they're being disrespectful. A 4-year-old, a 5-year-old can be disrespectful. But you don't guarantee respect just because you wave some kind of magic wand. You know what? They don't owe you anything. It's done now. You did your work. You can, they can fly from the nest. You can have boundaries. Like, they don't have to come over and eat all your food out of their fridge or do their laundry because they don't get to be halfway in or out. But you know what? you got to let them fly. Remember, if you do your job well, you work yourself out of a job. And their body is their body now. And it's sad sometimes to watch them make choices where they're going to have to learn a big lesson, but be there for the arms to hold them when they're learning that lesson. Not saying I told you so, just saying I'm here for you. That's how you be a good parent to an adult kid. And I've been doing it myself, let me tell you. They're making some weird choices. All right. uh, Thank you so much for being here. I am thrilled to tell you that every week I will now be here for three hours from 4 till 7 p.m. You can also follow me on my social media everywhere. The handle is at Dr. Wendy Walsh, at Dr. Wendy Walsh. But I'll see you next week right here at 4 o'clock on KFI AM 640. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.